The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... those whom fate decides can do no right. Marie Antoinette was such a one. From the time she left her home in Vienna to marry the next king of France, there was nothing she could ever do to stop the French from hating her, reviling her, and finally cutting off her head. Will you see a priest? A priest? Now? No. But... What will be said when it's known you refuse the help of religion in these final moments? Tell those who speak of it that God's mercy provided for it. Do you think those people in the streets will let me go to the guillotine without tearing me to pieces? Our mystery drama... End of a Queen was written especially for the Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr. and stars Tammy Grimes. I shall return shortly with Act One. She was christened Maria Antonia. She was blonde and grew up a slim, nice-looking girl who was often complimented for holding herself as regally as a queen, which she became when she married the future king of France at 15. Royal families arranged those things in those days. Now she is 38, imprisoned, going to the guillotine, and cannot understand why. Madame... I brought you what you asked for. I never thought you would get here. Do you think it is a simple matter to find candles and paper and ink at four in the morning in this place? I suppose not. It was stupid, my anger at you, Lieutenant. I have so little these days, and my wants are so simple. Why should I expect any favors? I do what I can, madame. I'm going to write a letter. It is private, and I would appreciate it if you did not watch me, Lieutenant. I shall have to ask, who to? My sister-in-law, Elizabeth. Before she escaped from France, you know, she was part of the family. You go ahead and write, madame. I shall sit in the corner and sleep. It will be a long day tomorrow. For you, maybe, but not for me. This is the 16th of October at 432 in the morning. I am writing to you, Elizabeth, for the last time. I am innocent. I hope to show I can be firm in my last moments on earth. I am calm as one is when one's conscience does not reproach. 
I have just been condemned. As I write, you dear sister-in-law, a cause of my years as a queen and of my days of the trial still ring in my ears. The accused may be seated. Your name, surname, age, position, place of birth and residence. My name is Marie Antoinette Lorraine d'Autriche, aged 38, widow of the King of France. I was born in Vienna. At the time of my arrest, I was in the session hall of the National Assembly. I have here a packet of possessions belonging to the prisoner, taken from her at the Conciergerie. I ask you to explain them. A little wallet fitted with scissors, needles, silk thread, and so forth. A little mirror, a gold ring, two portraits of women. Who are the people represented by these portraits? They are two ladies with whom I was brought up in Vienna. What are their names? Mesdames de Mecklenburg and de Hesse. That packet of hair of various colors. They come from my dead and living children and from my husband. A paper with figures on it. It is a multiplication table for teaching my seven-year-old boy. It has been reported that after the revolution you gave precedence to your son as if he were a king. He is a little boy of seven. Of course, I fed him first, as would any mother with any child. So to you, your son is the future king. He will be whatever France chooses him to be. As your son is now only a private person, do you then declare that you have renounced all the privileges which formerly gave him the empty title of king? I have no finer ambition for him than the happiness of France. You are glad that there is no more king or monarchy? All we desire is that France should be great and happy. You must therefore wish for the people to have no more oppressors, and that all your family who would wield arbitrary power should undergo the fate of your husband, the bloodsucker of France. I can answer for my son and myself. I am not responsible for others. If France is to be happy with a king, I wish it to be my son. If she is to be happy without a king... I shall share the happiness with him. Lieutenant. Yes, madame. The few possessions that were taken from me, may I have them back? What is the prisoner whispering about? Uh, Marie Antoinette requests the return of her few possessions which have just been shown to the citizen jury. Certainly not. They have been impounded and are to be returned to the Republic. You, Marie Antoinette... Where did you get the money to build and furnish the Triamont? The Petit Triamont is small in name only. It costs immense sums. That is possible. Perhaps more than I would have wished. We were gradually involved in more and more expense. However, the millions you were given to build this palatial and extravagant toy farm was not enough, was it? It was hardly millions. It could have been several hundred thousand. I see. Several hundred thousand of what was rightfully the money of the people. Nevertheless, it was not sufficient. And so you signed vouchers to be paid from the treasury. We have witnesses who have seen these vouchers. It is not so. Your denial is useless. We have discovered two vouchers signed by you 
for the sum of 80,000 livres. And the signature is Marie Antoinette. What was the date of the vouchers? One was dated August 10th, 1792, and the other I do not remember. I never signed any vouchers, and in any case, how could I have done so on the 10th of August, the day on which my husband and I went to the National Assembly at 8 in the morning? How you accomplished it is not for this tribunal to determine. Your dissipated squandering of the riches that belong to the French people is common knowledge. Queen or no queen, it is hardly excusable. Two hundred new dresses a year. Gowns covered in lace and jewels. Your gambling debts in the hundreds of thousands. A national scandal. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I believe the prisoner is here. What is that? Dibin, speak up. I said I believe the prisoner is ill. It is now midnight and she has not eaten all day. She's extremely pale. You are her guard, Lieutenant Dibin, not her physician. Citizen jurors, you have to judge not a single deed or a single crime, but the accused's whole political life since she came to sit beside the last king of the French. It is now midnight. I believe we have heard enough. I shall expect a verdict before the night is over. And so, my dear sister-in-law Elizabeth, in the company of my jailer, who became my only friend, Lieutenant de Bune, in a room adjoining the Grand Chambre, I awaited the verdict. Madame. Yes, Lieutenant. What is that bell? Is it for me? The President of the Council is calling for the citizen jurors to assemble. Does that mean they have made up their minds? Yes. Can you stand up, Madame? With your help. Madame. I don't think the trial has proven your guilt. No? I was a lawyer before I became head of the gendarmes. And from the viewpoint of jurisprudence, you are innocent. Legally? Yes. I have hope. That Francois Tizet, he was obviously coached in his lies about the vultures. I saw two citizen jurors shaking their heads in disbelief. Accusations without any proof of documents, Lieutenant. You do think, you do think there is hope? Not only I. During the trial, I heard people say, you gave your answers like an angel. That they will only deport you. Who said that? Someone influential? May I... May I have some water? My throat is dry. It is from the anxiety, madame. You have been supreme in your answers since the death of the king. You have only a few more moments to endure. Here is your glass. Antoinette, you will please rise for the jury's declaration. I shall read as follows that the accused be condemned to death 
in accordance with Articles 1 and 11 of the first section of the first chapter of the second part of the Penal Code. Have you any objection to make to the application of the laws invoked by the public prosecutor? Madame. Monsieur le prosecuteur, the defendant is not feeling well. I am all right. Just hold on to me, please. May I beg the court? The widow Capet has suffered a great deal, and I don't think justice... You said to me of Marie Antoinette suffering? This Austrian who intrigued and dealt with the enemies of the Republic, with her brother Joseph, the Emperor of Austria, a woman who has conspired to start a civil war here, who has spent millions of francs of the people's money on entertainment while thousands of French had no shoes and no bread. Those people demand she stand on her feet to hear the judgment she has brought upon herself. Let no more be said about it. I feel faint. No more. Will you be able to... Yes, I can. The tribunal, according to the unanimous declaration of the jury, condemns the said Marie Antoinette, called Lorraine d'Autriche, to the pain of death in accordance with the laws of 10 March last year, and orders that the present judgment shall be executed in the Place de la Révolution. The widow has fainted. Then bring her around. The law will run its course. Madame. Madame. Can you hear me? Please. Let me help you up. The defendant is excused. Lieutenant de Bune. You may take your charge back to her cell. Madame, how is it with you? I can walk. It isn't far to the door of the Grand Chambre. There. All right? Yes. Now, down these stairs to the courtyard... Are you warm enough, madame? I don't feel anything. Do you? Do you see them? The other prisoners. They are watching me walk across the courtyard, aren't they? There isn't one single prisoner who hasn't stayed awake to see you. I must set an example. Take your hand from my arm, lieutenant. I must show them I can walk alone. Show them how a queen behaves, even to the end. Whether the execution of Louis XVI and his wife Marie Antoinette was justified or not is not our story. Ours is the portrait of a queen under fire. How she maintained outward composure with the knowledge that she was the most hated woman in France. I shall return shortly with Act Two. Time and again, as I bring you these stories of suspense and mystery, I am struck how much stranger and more horrifying truth can be than the fabricated. So it is with this tale... 
It is indeed October 16th, 1793. One hour has passed since Marie Antoinette began the last letter she would ever write. The one to her sister-in-law, Elizabeth. I have just been condemned, dear Elizabeth, not to a shameful death, for it is shameful only for criminals, but to rejoin Louis, your brother. Like him, I am innocent. I am sad beyond belief that my children have been taken from me. There is something I must mention which pains my heart. I know how much distress my son's words have given you. But remember, in five days, he will just be eight years old. I think back and remember what a glorious time it was when he was born. How do you feel this morning, my darling? How does any mother feel, Louis? I am afraid it will be another girl. What are you doing here? You are going hunting. I want to be with you. Make certain your wife taken care of. I have Madame de Gumigny, who has always attended me. <laughs> what can I do? Well, surely there must be something. Yes. Distract me with some news. Court gossip, anything. <laughs> what is the news? You tell me. Uh, ah, the Americans are victorious at a place called um, Yorktown. At last. Thank the Lord. This revolution in America is costing us a fortune. Mm. Who was responsible for the victory? Lafayette. Yes. And Rochambeau and Miromeny. I'm glad the English were beaten. I'm always afraid they'll be in France next. Oh, nonsense. Our fleet is every bit as good as theirs. Louis. 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 Don't, don't tell me now, but I, I haven't had lunch yet. You, you go have your lunch, dear, and ask Madame de Gumigny to come here quickly. At one o'clock, how well I remember my son was born. They took him away directly, and he was baptized. Then a knock on the door, and there was Louis with the infant in his arms, and he was saying, Monsieur le Dauphin, demand entrer. <laughs> the Dauphin demands to enter. Louis and I were so happy. We laughed and cried and held on to each other with the little one between us in our arms. Antoinette, you will agree that you have been separated from your seven-year-old son for his own good? Is that what you would have me say? Are you also aware of the health of the young Dauphin? His health? Has been severely damaged. If that is true, it is only since he has been placed in the charge of the commissioner of the commune, Simone. I would have the citizen jurors know that this child one day was surprised by Simon in indecent defilement. And when the commissioner asked the boy who had taught him this criminal behavior, he replied his mother and his aunt. What do you have to say to that? Nothing. 
The young Dauphin declared in the presence of the mayor of Paris and the prosecutor of the commune that his mother and his aunt Elizabeth, sister of the late Louis Capet, that these two women often made the child lie down between them. That there then took place acts of the most uncontrolled debauchery. That there was no doubt from what Capet's son said that there had been an act of incest between mother and son. Widow Capet, what answer do you have to this accusation? I have no knowledge of the incidents you speak of. I have omitted another important fact which I would like to bring to the attention of the citizen jurors. After the death of Louis, these two women treated the Dauphin with the same deference as if he had been king. I have told you before that my son is a little child. And because of that, I did help him to eat first as would any mother with her child. Lieutenant, will you give me your arm? The widow Capet would like to rise to her feet. Would she care also to answer the accusation? If I did not reply, it was because nature recoils from such an accusation against a mother. I appeal to all mothers who may be here in this tribunal. It is getting late, my dear sister-in-law. Or rather, I should say it is now early morning. I think back, and it seems to me I have always been accused and blamed for doing that which I felt was best for France. Even my own brother Joseph turned against me when I visited him in Vienna. I am told the gardens of Versailles are more beautiful than these of Schoenbrunn. Is that so, Maria? <laughs> Maria. He calls me Maria. Bless you, dearest brother. To again be an Austrian as I was born, just for the few weeks that I am here. I hope you keep those thoughts to yourself in Paris. I do, I do. Joseph, why do you look so sternly at me? I must talk to you as Joseph II, Emperor of Austria, as well as your older brother. What have people been saying about me? Only the truth, I suspect. While in residence at Versailles, you would stay out all night. Then return home at six in the morning and on to the races at ten. If the ministers scheduled a meeting with you, you might keep them waiting for hours. Is that so terrible? I am the Queen of France. You are the Queen of the French people who don't care for a queen who wastes money and spends all her life in enjoyment in a country that is the poorest nation in Europe. It was poor before I became queen. And anyway, Louis assures me there's plenty of money. Something is wrong with how the treasury is run. That's why I've had three new ministers of finance. I got rid of each of them myself. Have you ever asked yourself by what right you interfere in the affairs of the French kingdom? What studies have you ever made? What knowledge have you acquired that you dare imagine your advice or opinion can be of any use? Joseph! Particularly in affairs which require wide knowledge. I didn't come to Vienna to be insulted by you. I don't care if you are the emperor of Austria. Maria... 
you are a pleasant young woman who thinks of nothing but frivolity. Your appearance and your amusement. I'm going back inside the palace. I'm not going to listen to this. You act only from impulse. You repeat only the opinions of those who bow and scrape before you. Maria, it is foolhardy. And one day, you will have to pay for your sins. Now I am at the end of this letter, dear Elizabeth. I sincerely beg pardon of God for all the faults I have committed during my life. Farewell, my dear Elizabeth. May this letter reach you. Think of me always. I embrace you with all my heart together with my poor children. My Lord, what agony it is to leave them forever. I am so very tired. I shall lie down on my cot for a little sleep. The last sleep I shall have from which I can awaken. It's the call to arms, Your Majesty. The troops are being mustered and patrols sent out everywhere to make certain nothing will interfere with the execution. Who are you? Where is Lieutenant de Bune? Oh, he was taken from here an hour ago and arrested. But what for? I was asleep. I didn't even say goodbye to him. He was denounced by one of his men who saw him several times bring you a glass of water and several times return from the tribunal with you walking bareheaded. Arrested? Everything is being taken from me. Your, your Majesty, uh, will you eat something? You are a gendarme, young man. Yes, Your Majesty. What is your name? Philippe. Philippe, you had better not be overheard calling me Your Majesty, or they will come and arrest you. There is nothing majestic about my position anymore. <laughs> of course, uh, I could always swear that you called me Your Former Majesty. Have you been in service long, Philippe? When I was 14, I was with the troops who guarded you when you went to Paris to the opera. Sometimes people would jeer at you and, and, and make remarks, but you took no notice of them. I always thought you courageous. Nothing can change that for me. How old are you, Philippe? I'm 18. So young and already in a responsible post. My father was in the gendarmerie before me. Father to son. It often happens in the military service. Well, sometimes the son is more proficient than the father. That's the case with Henri Samson. He does a far better job than his father did. Is that the Samson who is executioner of my husband? Oh. oh. Forgive me, Your Majesty. It was clumsy of me. What time is it now? Seven o'clock. Is there something I should do at seven o'clock? I've been instructed to fetch you some food. It isn't necessary. Everything is over for me. When will I be taken away? I don't know, Your Majesty. Even you who are sent to guard me do not know. Why is it such a secret? I'm told there was a plot to try to rescue you. So they've placed thousands of soldiers in the streets to make sure it will not happen. I have not heard of such a plot. Oh... 
Someone is coming in here. Marie Antoinette, are you ready? Ready? Now? We are waiting. The scaffold is prepared. What you have been hearing, the words spoken at the trial, the letter written to her sister-in-law, the account of the lieutenant who was arrested for bringing the prisoner glasses of water, are all documented. France has kept extensive records of her past. We shall rattle the skeleton once more when I return shortly with Act Three. this woman, once a child bride who played at being a queen. By the time responsibility came to her, it was too late. By then, the hatred of the French for their Austrian-born queen knew no bounds. But in her conscience, Marie Antoinette was certain she had done no wrong. False, she said, the morning of her death. False, yes, but never crimes. Antoinette, are you ready? But I have not dressed. Philippe, you will watch over the prisoner until the executioner arrives. Yes, sir. Antoinette, you will have five minutes to dress. Philippe, you will remain here. Five minutes? Five minutes? Is there no woman anywhere to help me change my chemise? What? You wish servants still, do you? I have not been well. Just... Someone to help me get dressed. Do you hear the woman? Send me a servant. Take my arm. Fetch me a glass of water. If it would not make me laugh, I could weep. Do not punish Lieutenant de Bune. He did nothing I did not ask him to. Where is he? Very touching your concern. How concerned were you when you rode to Versailles and all your plumes and the men and women on the road begged you for bread? I did not know they were hungry. Nor did you care. So you ordered your coachman to whip the horses faster. But enough of accusations. You have been condemned. What of the lieutenant? He will be taken care of. What a pity such solicitude could not have come to you sooner, Antoinette. Philippe, leave us for a moment. Yes, sir. You do not recognize me, do you, Antoinette? Yes, I did, Georges. You made not a single sign throughout the trial. Your face has changed, it's true. But I felt no need to throw myself at your mercy. You had me broken on the rack because I angled you, remember? They butchered my face. So, of course, by the time it healed, I was unrecognizable. I had nothing to do with that. I merely expressed... The wish you'd be taken away. I had no knowledge of what would happen to you. All you did was give the orders. Hmm? Now those who gave the orders are those who are condemned. The wheel turns, Antoinette. The poor above and the rich below. In those years, I always advised you well. I told you the truth, but you hid it from yourself. You would not believe me when I told you a man who feeds his family on one fish head a day could not look kindly upon a royal family that eats millions of francs of meat and fish. 
So it always comes down to money. It was not money that had me banished. I could not help what happened to me, Georges. I needed someone, and you spoiled it. You made it ridiculous and impossible. I was not surprised you had a lover. Nor was I the only one at court who knew Louis had little interest in you as a woman. I want to forget all that. I do not wish to talk of it anymore. Marie, Marie, you are not in a position to make demands. I wish to talk about it. I wish to remember. And I wish you to recall every moment as well. Why, Georges? I want you to remember me as I was. When I could stand up straight. Not the hunched cripple I am today. I came to your bedroom at Versailles. Remember? Who is it? It is me, Georges, Your Majesty. Georges, can you come back later? I'm busy. No, no, I cannot. It is imperative this document must be signed. Uh, the ministers have been waiting all day and the king is not back from the hunt. I have someone with me. Can you slip it under the door? No, I cannot and I will not. <laughs> oh, all right. Wait a minute. Step aside, George, and let the poor man out. Excuse me, sir. Well, come in. What are you standing there for? Oh, get me the silly paper that requires a royal signature. Put it on the table. Where do I sign? Aren't you going to read it first, Your Majesty? Of course not. That's what I have you for. Where do I sign? Here with the seal is? Yes, please. All right. So, so I have a lover. Is that such a surprise? No. Axel Fersen is a handsome young man. Handsome? He's brilliant in everything. And Georges, you needn't worry about the king. He knows. Marie! Marie! Speak of the devil. Uh, Marie, my darling, the hunt. I never enjoyed one as much. And... Um, hello, Georges. Some document or something? You have been hunting, and so have I. Uh -huh. You've been hunting? What? <laughs> Pleasure. Axel was here. Oh, I see. Uh, Georges, uh, you had some business for me too, then, too. Uh, the Queen, uh... It's all right. I signed it, Louis. You see, Georges, I told you you knew all about Axel. Oh, Marie, for heaven's sake. There was no way to keep it from Georges. He arrived, and so I had to send Axel away. What happens in our chambers is strictly between you and me, Marie. Oh, Georges doesn't mind. I told him it was with your consent. <sighs> Georges, you will go now. He wouldn't say anything. Would you, Georges? <laughs> I did not say anything. But five days later, I was arrested, thrown into the Bastille, tortured, and then deported to Guiana. It was only when I returned several years ago that I learned it was not King Louis who had ordered me disposed of. But you, Antoinette, you were annoyed that my presence had placed the king in an awkward position, and an annoyance must be eliminated. But now, the wheel has turned... You have five minutes to dress and no servants. No one to order about. The days of being waited on hand and foot are over. Five minutes. No more. Philippe, come in and keep watch carefully. Five minutes. He said five minutes, didn't he? I have my, uh, my white negligee I wear in the morning. A queen must die in white. White for a royal funeral. 
my muslin tissue, this, this chemise, I must change for a clean one. Where can I change? There is only this one room. Monsieur. Your Majesty? In the name of decency, allow me to change my linen without witnesses. I'm instructed not to leave this room. I will turn to the wall and keep my eyes closed. I, I would not embarrass you. Philippe, is the woman changed to her funeral dress? Y yes, sir. Uh, she is changing. Make sure she hides nothing that could stop the course of justice. Yes, sir. W w what does he mean? Make certain I don't take any poisons. Two more minutes. Philippe, have you asked if she wishes to see the Abbe Girard? No, but I shall. The Abbe has offered you the service of his ministry. I decline the offer. What will be said when it's known you refuse the help of religion in these final moments? Philippe, uh, you will tell those who speak of it that God's mercy provided for it. May I suggest, on the way to the Place de la Révolution, the Abbe ride along with you. If he so wishes, listen to them. Do you think the people in the streets will let me go to the scaffold without tearing me to pieces? I am ready now. George, you may enter. Philippe, did she ask for the Abbe? He may ride with me to the guillotine if he wishes. Pay attention, madame. I shall read the verdict to you. There's no point. I know it only too well. The tribunal, according to the unanimous declaration of the jury, condemns you, Marie Antoinette, widow of Louis, to the pain of death. Condemns you, Marie Antoinette. He was a poor fool, my husband, the king. But it is a weakness of the Bourbon. Continue. He had no idea how to rule France, and neither did I. But in those last hours, he became a man. He had been condemned to death by one vote. The Duc de Chartres. One vote. The Duc de Chartres cast the single vote. The Duc with whom I danced the day I was married. The Judas. I danced with him at the wedding. Antoinette, what are you mumbling about? Are you listening to the sentence? And then I watched my husband driven off to his death in a coat. I was only Louis XVI's wife. I was bound to submit to his will. Can't you understand that, gentlemen? The time for explanations is past. Philippe. Henri Sanson is outside. Bring him in. I must be calm. I must set an example. Come in, Henri. Prisoner, hold out your hands. Are my hands to be bound? It is customary. My husband's hands were not bound. Sanson, do not hesitate. Do it. Sanson, so tightly. Must, must, must you tie your hands that roughly behind her back? Philippe, Henri has learned from his father. He knows more about this than you or I. The, the scissors? What did he do with them? Watch. Her hair. All her hair. Nothing must interfere with the descent of the knife. What is that? In the middle of the courtyard. A cart. It is to take you to the Place de la Révolution. My husband rode to the guillotine in a coach, not a garbage cart. There was but one king, I am sorry to say. 
For him, a coach was used. There is someone in it already. The Abbe, he and I will sit on each side of you until we arrive at the scaffold. And Philippe? I've been ordered to remain here. Henri, be gentle. It is an ugly duty, Philippe. There will, there will be just you and the Abbe. No one else. But the crowd... They could come at me and drag me from the cart. There are 30,000 troops along the way to protect you, madame. Goodbye. Take heart. You'll be with your husband very soon. Saint Honoré, it looks so different with all those people. What is that? The cannon at the Bastille. Madame, we have arrived at the scaffold. Please, don't touch me, anybody. I can climb from this dung heap without any help. Let them all scream, show their hatred. I don't care. I have never cared. I hated them all. Always. There's the ladder to the scaffold. They don't dare come near me. I can climb ladders as well as any farmer. I'll climb to the roof of the piano often to rescue my kittens. Look at them staring at me. They could never hate me as much as I love them. Look at them, wild beasts. Watch me, animals. I will give you a performance. Over here, madame. Pardon, I stepped on your foot. I did not do it on purpose. I must tie you to this plant, madame. They would have the world believe being a queen is enough to condemn you. That to reign over others is to be a traitor to man. That kings are a race born to harm people. That we care no more for our subjects than we care for the insects we crush with our foot. It is true. But you will never kill all of us. You will never! He is holding up in my severed head for all to see. I feel... Nothing. The end of a queen. But not quite. Five years later, those pitiful small possessions of Marie Antoinette's that were used in evidence at the trial were placed at auction. The little green Morocco case with scissors, needle, and thread brought five francs, 75 centimes. The two little portraits of the friends of her youth were sold for four francs, 40 centimes. The end of a queen. I shall return shortly.
ever know with certainty what went on in the heart of the queen. We do know she met death unflinchingly. But was it pride, rebellion, or vindictiveness to the end that made her refuse to show the people the cringing queen they wanted to see? Those who saw her die never knew that when the knife fell, Marie Antoinette entered history. Our cast included Tammy Grimes, Norman Rose, Russell Horton, and Bob Caliban. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.